With a focus on physical, mental, and social health, the UCS Wellness Podcast is dedicated to sharing informative conversations with the UCS community and beyond. Welcome to the UCS Wellness Podcast. My name is Erin Chambers, and I'm a phys ed and health teacher at Shelby Junior High. I'm here with Matt Cecil, a phys ed and health teacher at Jeanette Junior High. And this is a two-part series. This is two of two. We've already recorded and released a podcast one of two. And Matt talked to us about the brain chemistry in reducing stress and increasing focus. In our last podcast, Matt, you talked to us about a couple different hormones. And I'm just going to review them. Cortisol is our stress hormone. And a lot of us walk around every day with high levels of cortisol. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. I mean, cortisol will help us wake up in the morning. There's a certain cortisol pulse that decreases at night. So it's not like we need it. We just have an abundance of it. And if we had too much and it gets too high, uh, it can have some side effects for us in terms of anxiety and stress and even depression. And in our last podcast, you talked to us about dopamine and serotonin, those two chemicals that our body produces. Do you want to review what those are? Yeah. So dopamine is the motivation molecule. So in order for us to have motivation, we need dopamine in our system. And so a lot of what we're covering is just understanding how to set up dopamine in our body or in our brain so that we have motivation, energy, clarity, focus, and we're able to then manage stress. And then serotonin is responsible for calmness and joy. And so when we get into habit four, I like to say today, a lot of that is going to be going into how we can maximize serotonin in the brain, you know, so that we have that calmness and that energy. And there's really a dance between serotonin and dopamine. So doing certain activities to increase serotonin will also balance dopamine in the brain as well. Okay, Matt, for our listeners, in our last podcast, we talked about three components that you feel will help us regulate all of these hormones. And they were tips on sleep, exercise, and actually cold water submersion. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, cold exposure, or if you can, you know, even just have the temperature in your house turned down more consistently just to build more brown fat, but to create more resilience, you know, so then it also increases adrenaline, which is going to decrease inflammation and increases dopamine, which is going to increase that clarity and focus that we discussed. Fantastic. So that was all in podcast one. And today you are going to give us three more components. Do you want to list off those components real quick for us? So we're going to start with, I like to say breathing exercises. You can also say forms of meditation, right? But really it's just breathing and it's understanding how that is going to create more focus for us. And then simple one, like making sure we drink 64 to hundred ounces of water. And then we're going to get into ideal nutrition as the last component, which is, this is a tough one, right? I understand that, but like we're going to provide the information for that. Okay. Excellent. So you said we're starting with the breathing techniques. I know this is very popular. seems to be a little trending right now, uh, different breathing techniques. Can you go ahead and tell us what uh, the component of breathing and meditation is like? So I do four different types with my students and, and or for myself, really. 
But let's start with sumo breathing, but Wim Hof has popularized it over the last handful of years or so. Wim Hof breathing, W-I-M-H-O-F, if we want to look up his name. But Wim Hof has several world records, one being submerged into ice water for an hour and 52 minutes and his core body temperature doesn't change. You know, uh, he's run a half marathon in just shorts, no shoes, uh, halfway in the halfway point of Mount Everest. He's run a marathon with no water and in a desert 140 degree temperature. So those are just a few of the records that he has. He's a man in his sixties and he's very popular on, on YouTube and on Instagram, social medias. But one of the studies done with Wim Hof was that when he did his breathing, tumor breathing, uh, they injected him with with E. coli, a deadly endotoxin, and nothing happened. So to make sure that he wasn't like a genetic freak, uh, he trained 12 other breathers who were then injected with E. coli, and they had no symptoms of illness either. Now, the subgroup was meditators who got violently ill, <laughs> diarrhea throwing up from the E. coli poisoning. And so... Uh, what it does, you know, and I, my explanation is probably more basic and we'll keep it basic because I'm not a neuroscientist, but it's going to, let's say, hyperactivate the uh, immune system. So cytokines or interleukins are things that decrease inflammation in the brain or in the body. And so when somebody through the study of Wim Hof breathers and him himself Wim Hof is actually talking about this in one of the podcasts. I was watching him provide the information that on average, cytokine six went down by 53 fold, cytokines eight down 57 fold, and cytokine 10, which we want to go up, increased by 194 fold. So by doing three rounds of Wim Hof breathing, and Wim Hof breathing is like this, where you breathe in through the nose in full and then exhale out about 80%, 30 times. And then after 30, you do an exhale hold and you hold your breath for as long as you can. So the 30 breaths in will increase oxygen delivery to the cells of the body. The breath holds will then increase carbon dioxide and the combination of those two will increase adrenaline in the body. So now when we do three rounds, we're fully oxygenating the cells maybe four rounds you can do all the cells in the body, making them more alkaline. And so the breathing goes like this. He says you can do through the mouth. Uh, ideally, I would suggest through the nose, we deliver about 20% more oxygen when we breathe through our nose. So it would be like this. When you just get into this rhythmic breath, and then after 30, there's an exhale hold. Now online on YouTube, he has about 10 or 11 minute guided breathing. You look up Wim Hof guided breathing and the first round would be a 30 second breath hold. The next one is a minute and the third one is a minute and a half. If you were to keep going, you're going to increase your ability to hold your breath because of the oxygen that's being delivered through the intense breathing in. And so doing that is going to strengthen the immune system. If I were to get any symptoms 
of let's say a cold or a virus, I go into Wim Hof breathing now. In fact, when I got sick with COVID, had I known, not that I know for sure that I would have alleviated it. I don't know because I didn't do it. But what I know, what I've learned now, I would go into the Wim Hof breathing. I know I had symptoms of a cold during the fall. Uh, and I did four rounds four different times throughout that day. And I was fine the next day, right? Because if it can alleviate E. coli, well, then <laughs> chances are it's going to re- get rid of a, a cold or a flu that might be entering my my system. And so a long way toward preventing illness is, is Wim Hof or Tumo breathing. And one of the things I like is, Matt, you shared this with me in the fall was the Wim Hof breathing. And and you are correct. You can uh, search that on YouTube and different videos do come up. I know I use it with my students. I like that it's direct. I like that it's quick. Uh, not a lot of daydreaming. Doesn't take a lot of time. I can see myself using it as an adult. If I'm in the car or I'm uh, coming home at night or I'm getting a little angry with uh, my own kids or my job or my spouse, right? You can kind of go into that Wim Hof breathing pretty quickly uh, and just kind of rebalance yourself, correct? Yeah. You know, my students like it once I give them the science behind it and then we started to do it and they started to feel the effect. They enjoy it. And so then I do what's called Wim Hof Wednesdays at school and I build them up toward a 20 minute jog. Like the last episode we talked about dropping cortisol, increasing endorphins, increasing dopamine, more pain, more dopamine. We do that. We do the run. And then we sit down and we do two rounds of Wim Hof breathing. Get on a yoga mat and we'll do just two because we only have a certain amount of time in our hour. And then I go into one of our next phases of breathing in focus, which is yoga nidra, which, you know, it's, it's really, you know, Andrew Huberman calls it NSDR, um, which is non-sleep deep rest that you can get a form of sleep rest without sleeping from yoga nidra. And I know we did that to that one day, but just feeling that that floods the body with serotonin. This has also been documented through, you know, peer-reviewed study is that when somebody does some intense bout, like of let's say exercise, and then if they were to do 20 minutes of yoga nidra, on average, there's a 50% increase in memory retention. So then now we're resting the brain, we're delivering serotonin, and the concoction is incredible. Like the feeling that you have. If we combine all three that last for hours out of the day, it's amazing. And yoga nidra is just, let's just say it's a focus practice. I have my students lay and I'll put meditation music on, just a calming music. And I just go through body parts, closed eyes, relax every part of the body. And I might start with, let's say if I start from the bottom of the body, bottom of the left foot, top of the left foot ankle, calf, shin, knee. And I get them to now stop thinking about past or future, but focus on what they feel internally. And then also slowing the breath down at the same time. Because when we do the Wim Hof breathing, which hyper delivers oxygen, now we can slow the breath way down. The slower we get our breath the more serotonin we're going to deliver, the calmer we're going to feel. And so 
when we can do the exercise combined with the Wim Hof, combined with the Yoga Nidra, they're in a zone and we feel it. And, you know, my best day, I tell the students, one of my best days I've ever had, because I, 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 I'm myself, I'm a lab mouse on all this stuff for myself. So I did like a half hour yoga nidra. This was in May, almost two years ago. And I was in such a state of slow breathing and calmness. And I was going to, I go to bed at nine to get up at five. I got to get my eight hours sleep and I got to get the workouts in. So it was a cardio day. And I, I, I was like, I, I have to turn this yoga nidra off. I'm passing out. And I passed out and I slept on my back, which I don't normally do. I'm a side sleeper. I was so comfortable and I was in that position for the vast majority of the night. And I wake up and I feel pretty refreshed. I set my alarm for 505. It's got to be close to see the sunlight coming in. It's 500 exactly. Well, it's time to get up, have a little coffee, have a little tea, just a little bit, just a little caffeine. And then I go do a 20 minute jog. And then I came back and I did a three minute cold tub. And then I did two rounds of Wim Hof breathing. And then I got in a hot shower. And I had 15, 20 minutes to stretch. So I did the stretching as a form of yoga nidra too with meditation music. And I was in a zone for hours, all day, right? And that feeling that I experienced from doing these things, I for the people that are out there struggling with anxiety and depression and high levels of stress, I know this is the answer for so many people. There is a genetic component to anxiety and depression and having a genetic component to higher levels of cortisol. And those people might need even more than 150 to 180 minutes of exercise or certain types of exercise. But, you know, for the vast majority of us, this is the answer, right? Is to get uncomfortable and to do these certain things. So yoga nidra is going to balance it all out. And that's something I do with my students. And there's a couple more. Okay. Get into. Yeah. So I like what we, you, you said there uh, with the breathing, it kind of adds a new meaning to chill out or yeah. take a breath or take a moment. But I want to give you three more breathing techniques and this won't take long that we can do with our students. So one is box breathing or anybody, if you're not a student and you're just out there listening that you can do to deliver more serotonin, you could be driving in on the way to work and you could do box breathing. Or it's four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold. That's going to deliver serotonin. Navy SEALs do that before they would go into battle to make sure that they calm down and that they're focused and that they can manage the stress. The other one is six in and six out. Ideally, we are naturally supposed to breathe in. We all, myself included, don't do this where our natural breath should be about five and a half seconds. So six in, five and a half out, five breaths per minute. That our breath, because of our stress and our, we're not exercising enough, has shallowed over the years. It's, it's doubled in terms of the reduction. We usually go about four seconds, three seconds in and out on a breath. And it should be in, two, three, four, five, six, out, two, three, four, five, six. So I'll do that at times with students to remind them that they can use that and that if they're sitting in class and they're losing focus, focus on that breath and see if you can stay there and watch how calm you feel. And then the last thing, if we're ever stressed out, you know, anywhere, this can only, it only takes about 
20 seconds to reset the stress levels in the brain and the body, which is called, you know, physiological size, a physiological size, two breaths through the nose and exhale through the mouth. So three times, and then we'll feel a balancing effect from that. So these are strategies that we can use to, again, balance this out biochemically in the brain without exercise. And if we're at work or if we're at school or whatever situation we're in and we're feeling stress come on and we can't just go take a run, well, we can remind ourselves that we can use one of these breathing strategies and, and calm ourselves down if we need to. Okay. So I see next on your list is water and hydration. What can you tell us about that? Very basic there, right? I don't want to get into too much. We've always been told that we, we need to drink a certain amount of water and, you know, just to get rid of toxins, you know, to make sure that our blood is flowing properly, that the brain is getting proper flow, you know, just reminding ourselves that we need to drink water and that should be at least the bare minimum. I usually probably get about 64 ounces before eight, nine in the morning. Cause if I do 32 ounces, prior to workout. And then if I do, let's say a blueberry, banana, cherry smoothie, and, you know, I'm having water throughout the workout, I'm usually getting about another 32 ounces. And so that is great for providing that flow and that energy in the morning. Of course, I think I mentioned that, but releasing toxins we're going to do when we drink water. So just reminding that that's part of it. We don't want to really drink soft drinks. We can have a little bit of coffee in the morning or a little green tea is good. And I do that. I keep it limited to avoid a crash, but water should be our primary go-to for hydration throughout the day. Okay, Matt. And I want to talk about, uh, before we run out of time here, but the last component is nutrition. And I know we could spend a, a few podcasts talking about nutrition, but can you give us some tips that we can include into our daily routine right away? Yeah. So this one. Sometimes I would feel uncomfortable presenting to people because it's, it's difficult. And, you know, in, in Dopamine Nation, Anna Lemke talks about how we can be addicted to anything. You know, even her struggling with romance books or me, if I'm on, I, you know, I can get caught up in the phone too. And it sounds silly, but looking up sports information, my favorite NFL or college or NBA team or something, right? I mean, you're just getting, trying to get that dopamine hit. Right. And so food provides dopamine and whatever habit we've created, it becomes very difficult to break a habit. So I understand that. However, in our world of where we're constantly inundated with advertisement for processed food, I think we've become desensitized and we think that this food is not that bad for us. You know, unfortunately it is, you know, so if we keep it simple that we eat two to three non-ultra processed meals a day. It sounds simple to me, but it's also, I understand how complicated that is for people. So eating foods that are in nature form, things that come from an animal or a tree or the ground are really what we're hardwired to metabolize. That when we eat man-made foods, because the fiber levels have been altered and the sugar levels have been altered, that our insulin spikes and we can't properly break them down. And then now we're getting elevated energy and crashing. And now we're crashing the dopamine system as well. 
And there's so much good information coming out over the last handful of years into the microbiome of the body, the good bacteria of the body and how there's more bacteria in our body than there is cells in our body, 4 trillion bacteria in our colon alone, and how that plays a significant role in our overall brain function. And so, you know, unfortunately, when I see my students eat, I just recognize how undereducated we are in terms of our proper nutrition, you know, because when we eat, let's say processed sugars or processed oils, vegetable oils, the cottonseed oils, which are high in linoleic omega-6. One of the videos that I share with my students, Chris Kenobi, K-N-O-B-B-E, I couldn't find proper pronunciation, I'm guessing on his last name, but um, a nutrition guru of mine that I hired a few years ago, uh, he's got a doctorate in homeopathic. He said, I want you to watch this video. And it was on cottonseed oils, which is vegetable oils like canola oil, sunflower oil, corn oil, how we need to eliminate those because they're high in linoleic omega-6 that in 1900, 99% of the fat consumed by human beings was animal fat. And there was a 1% obesity rate. Now it's 86% is vegetable oils. And our obesity rate is 40% going on 50% because we can't properly metabolize the linoleic omega-6. We were supposed to get linoleic omega-6, but the ideal ratio is two to one. Most Americans are getting 20 to one. And that's destroying the good gut bacteria, which then alters brain function and alters stress in the body. You know, and like for me, my, even my nephews, when they come by and they eat, they enjoy the healthy meals that I make. Because I don't feel like I'm sacrificing. So in the morning, very typically, I make sure I get pasture-raised eggs or grass-fed beef. And you got to make sure it's 100% grass-fed because they can label it. Well, it's grass-fed if they give them a little bit of grass. But that's going to balance out in the animal their omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. Because if they're eating corn, it drives up the omega-6 in the grass-fed beef. But if I have scrambled eggs and egg yolk, blueberries... And I would suggest more of that for adults, but fish oils, EPA and DHA, these are all known to maximize brain efficiency. Well, I get those in the morning. So I'll do scrambled eggs and coconut oil because coconut oil is extremely low in omega-6. That's why you might hear Tom Brady talking about cooks everything in coconut oil. That's why it's a saturated fat. Saturated fat gets a bad rap. So cooking everything as much as I can in coconut oil. And then I have a frozen smoothie in the morning of organic blueberries, cherries, banana, blend it up. It's God's candy. It's like a frozen smoothie. You know, you have that. I might have a little bit of organic oats. If I worked out, I need extra complex carbs. And that's something that takes 10, 15 minutes to do. Tastes great. You know, I'm not cutting out fat. There's fat that's great for us. So like at lunch, when I'm having a, a mixed green salad with olive oil that I bring to school and or bring to work, and then I have avocado in it and, you know, I make sure I bring a carrot and I make sure I bring an apple. We all don't need to know too much about the vitamins and minerals of each food. But if we understand that getting the colors of orange and red and purple and green, if we do that consistently, then we're providing phytochemicals and microbiome or good bacteria for our body, that's essential for us. So those are tips, but, you know, 
Um, at night, for example, I might have like a jasmine rice, one green vegetable. Uh, if I do a, a beef patty, a grass-fed beef, I'm, I'm going to just skip the bun. You know, I can put salt on it. I can make a burger stack with avocado and a, and a fried egg, and I got fat on top of fat on top of fat. This is good for me. And I'm not going to put fat on the body. I don't have to count calories. I, I'm just eating foods that, are, that nature provides. And it works and it's, it's what's ideal. And if we can maybe limit ultra processed, when I say ultra processed, you know, when you process a fruit, fruit smoothie, it's okay. It's processed, but it's healthy for you. Ultra processed is like a, a, a cookie made in a package or, you know, a box snack made with, you know, some concoction of wheat. Like if we can just maybe do that as a once a week treat, you know, that's going to go a long way. So. Uh, it's such a critical component. I wish I had more time <laughs> to uh, provide on, on, on nutrition when it comes to that. But then also just what you can from an organic standpoint. Because when we think about inflammation, well, if we put a chemical into our body, our immune system is going to respond to that. And it's going to drive up inflammation, which is going to weaken our immune system to be able to fight off short-term diseases like viruses and colds or long-term diseases, eventually like cancer and heart disease and type 2 diabetes. So Chris Kenobi in that video, he talks about how all those diseases were virtually non-existent. Like one out of 188 people will get cancer in the early 1800s. Now it's one out of three. Heart disease non-existent. Now it's one out of three. All tying into the increased levels of vegetable oil consumption, and which is all ultra-processed food. And so... Avoiding that and understanding that, I think a lot of us, we, we didn't understand that information. If we have that, we'll be more motivated. Wow, Matt, lots of good information today. You gave us three tips in our first podcast, three more today, really essential for any age, at any point in our lives, if we could just kind of take one of those things, start to put it into our daily habits, uh, growing from there. But lots of information. You seem very passionate. Thank you for joining us today. It was a pleasure listening to you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Aaron. I appreciate your time as well. Thank you. For UCS Wellness Podcast, I'm Aaron, and thanks for listening. The UCS Wellness Podcast is a resource created by Utica Community Schools, the second largest K-12 school district in Michigan, located in Macomb County. Thank you for listening. As always, you can head over to our UCS Wellness Podcast page at uticak12.org slash wellnesspodcast. From there, you can subscribe to the show and find all the links and resources discussed in this episode in the show notes. If you enjoyed this resource, please consider leaving a rating and review and be sure to recommend the UCS Wellness Podcast to friends and family. For more about UCS Wellness, you can visit utica12.org slash UCS underscore wellness. Thank you again for joining us. From all of us here at Utica Community Schools, be well.